welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Sunset Beth. Man named Sam. And I'm Caleb. Hello, and welcome once again. We're back. Why does it feel like you're adding more than one per time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it's exponential. It's not. It is. It is linear so far. I because this is this is like episode six at this point, isn't it? Five or six. Uh, this I feel is like. four plus episode plus zero. episode zero though, because that's when it that's that's when it really got started. So I don't know. <laughs> They're being added via the Fibonacci sequence. What I I wish I had thought of something so unhinged. <laughs> No, nobody yeah, you're ever... really slacking in the unhinged department for this bit. <laughs> yeah, here we are in the the very middle episode of part one of this book, uh, episode four here, uh, chapters 13, 14, and 15 today, with three behind us and three ahead of us to finish off part one, which is the vast majority of the book. So we are, uh, we're, we're, We've got things going on here, and we're also <laughs> we're meeting more. We're meeting more characters because it's Elantris, and apparently that's just going to keep happening. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I heard the echo. <laughs> I, I have to say, and this is not a criticism. I actually I did enjoy all three of these chapters, but it is very funny looking at like in terms of actual plot. In the Raven chapter, a whole lot happens real, real fast. And then just in terms of like progressing the plot along and things actually happening, pretty much nothing happens in the next two chapters. It's mostly just people walking around and learning <laughs> a few things and Snap chatting to a, a bit. fucking embroidery club. Like, <laughs> I, oh. think that, I think that may be related to the fact that uh, when I reread these, these three chapters, I kind of mentally summed it up as a Rayodin chapter I really liked. A serene chapter I really didn't like all that much, and a Hraithan chapter I was pretty indifferent on. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty so, fair assessment. So I, I liked the chapter where things happened. Yeah, I grew to like the serene chapter, but I think of those of I, my assessment is somewhat similar to, to to yours there of these three, because the not to spoil too much ahead of time, but even though we don't see any sword fighting. The serene chapter gives us promises of sword fighting, and thus I have to be at least slightly on board. The There's implication an implication of, of swords. Sword <laughs> of fencing. That sounds, that sounds like, you know, a murder of crows and ugly exactly. of walruses. An implication of swords. <laughs> Beth, do you possess an implication of swords? How many does it need to be? I don't know. If it's more than one, then yes. But... To, that that does still just feel like a pair of swords. Because as hmm. of right now, it's still just two. Okay. I'll, I'll keep y'all updated. Yeah, <laughs> keyword being develops. as of right now. Listen, I, I'm always keeping my options open for number of swords I own. But yeah, we had uh, we had just three chapters for this week's episode, one of each character. Uh, they happened to exactly line up with the 
the way that the rotation starts, uh, which meant, I'm sorry, Caleb, we only got to see one new symbol. It's this uh, this kind of square design, but uh, but it is a new symbol, so we we got more of those. I wonder if I should be like looking these up to know what aeons they are, because I I haven't been. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I don't want to look in case of spoilers, but I I'm thinking back to the the steel lettering from the Mistborn trilogy, mm-hmm. and I don't think those usually had like immediate significance necessarily. So. I wouldn't be surprised if these are, I don't want to say they're random. I'm sure there's a lot of thought that goes into this, but um, I, I'm not too, given Mistborn, I'm not too concerned that I'm missing out on vital lore by not knowing which Aeons these are. I'm pretty sure that, uh, I know for a fact that they are arranged to build in visual complexity through the book. Mm. I don't think that the meanings are actually correlated to line up with anything specific. Gotcha. Also, it's bold to say building in complexity because the chapters of uh, 10 through 12 looks real wacky. And then it's like, and here's a square. Here's yeah, a square. That's, that's fair. <laughs> but it's a square with like sort of circly things in it. Well, it's and got four dots. dots in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is kind of interesting to to think, though, the way, like, in, in world, if you were drawing this, presumably because each each Aeon is built out of the, the base shape, if you were drawing this, you wouldn't draw, you know, the square first and then the four arcs and then the dots in the center. You would have to kind of build it in in pieces around the square as you went. Probably. That's how I kind of imagined it. Man, these a lot of these simpler aeons are really good for someone who enjoys doodling as like keeping your hands busy while listening in class, but is very bad at doodling because she has no artistic talent. AKA I drew a lot of aeons all over my notebooks in school. <laughs> <laughs> this one was not part of my usual rotation, but it probably should have been. I could have I could have done this. <laughs> At one point, when I was still using a uh, a dot grid phone lock screen, where you like draw the the pattern on it, uh, I was the the pattern that I chose was as close as you could get on a three by three grid to the the base ion, because I thought that was neat. On a three <laughs> by three grid, I'm so curious what that would be. It's a lot pointier than uh, the the actual one. It doesn't have the kind of swooping curve. Well, gotcha. I was wondering, like, if you if you try to make the swoop, that means you have to use the center dot, so you wouldn't be able yes. to reuse that as the dot dot later on. Well, you also can't pick up your finger, so I just had to leave the right. dot out. Ah, uh, I see. So we got Rayod in here. Right. So so then we, we pass the symbol, we oh, pass the words the chapter 13, and then we actually get to the text of this chapter. <laughs> Uh, starting right off, uh, Sam had, uh, had summed it up that Rayodin has found exactly what he's looking for. He doesn't know what it is and he doesn't know what, how he can get information out of it or what information he would even want out of it. But he knows that this is it. Because it's in, it's about Aeondor or something. I know because it's got Aeons in it. Uh. 
just if you have to like translate a book as you're reading it, you're probably not gonna get at least not on their first pass what you're looking for. Specifically, translating a dictionary on your first pass. Yeah, like that's 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 a dictionary is the sort of thing where in order to comprehend it, you kind of need to know a good amount of the language already. So uh, the task of translating a dictionary seems particularly difficult. But it is at least if Riordan's hopes are to believe this is a uh, a promise of some information in the future for for both him and us about Aondor. So we'll we'll hope that he he can get something out of this. Uh, another detail I really love in this segment is when we first got introduced to Galadon, he was very much like, yeah, no skin off my back. Nothing can really bother me. I'm just here living my life. And the more we get to know him, the more he's like, I want, I want to mess with my books, man. I really, this is, this is all my stuff. And I just want to make sure it doesn't get damaged. I want everything to be okay. Just make sure people don't mess with the books. I, it's kind of cute. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, Galadon's a nice character. He's, he's interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize just how ridiculous it is that Rayodin's like, this is exactly what I need, even though I can't read it. It's like the <laughs> Rayodin's pointed at an Aeon on a page near the beginning of the book. This says Aeon door. It's like it says the term you're interested in once on a page near the beginning. That doesn't mean that the book is about the thing. <laughs> the full title of the book is Andor Sucks. <laughs> chapter one Aeondor sucks chapter two. <laughs> oh, it's a 15 reasons why you shouldn't be in a play reference sure is making middle school fucking play references not even <laughs> high school theater middle school theater oh we're back oh, to God. middle school <laughs> it always no. comes back to middle school I, I thought we'd escaped one time in middle school a person was making fun of me and he, he he spat spittle on my face and i said watch it sir spits a lot and he he devolved into uproarious laughter at how stupid my comeback was and i still think about that to this day you said the word devolved and i really thought it was gonna be he, he devolved into a dinosaur like he's you completely defeated him with this one line <laughs> he, he crumbled into dust at my cleverness sir spits a lot did, did someone sorry someone intentionally spat on you no it was it was a middle schooler with braces and the braces caused, okay you know, yeah so no i was really worried about how just how bullied you were in middle school for a second there yeah yeah Rayodin. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on from middle speaking school speaking of people who are probably bullied in middle school Rayodin is reading books yeah Fucking book nerd. Book nerd. Galadon's worried about roofs. Yeah, their uh, their city builder is uh, is progressing. It's it's going decently. No one has no one has not died yet. Yeah, or whatever you would call that. Um, for the second time in this book, uh, a character calls out another character for their bullshit, which I'm happy for because I jumped all over this. As soon as as soon as Raiden said that they know what they're doing, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! And I wrote like a treatise on how no, they don't, because Mare is a housewife and Rill was like a bricklayer. <laughs> and then Galadon says, no, they don't know what they're doing, and I was like, yes. 
Great job, Brandon. Raiden does have to step it down to the uh, uh, the the somewhat less congratulatory. They're competent, which I mean, some days that's what you need. But uh, yeah, they know what they're doing is perhaps a bit of a stretch. So, uh, but what we do have is kind of the uh, the the hoped next step of Raiden's plan, which is he's. He's gotten enough people into his little group by just spontaneously press ganging them in. And they've started to have at least some success in that the place that they're staying is is visibly improving. And they they shared the food that they have uh, they've convinced someone to to come and join. Uh, so here we have uh, Kahar or Kehar with Kahar, I think. Yeah. Jafar. <laughs> That's him. And uh, his, uh, I mean, it, it's good that he has joined this group. I feel bad that he is immediately set to the task of cleaning this disgusting, filthy area. <laughs> this is uh, apparently what he had he had done previously, which takes him a second to remember. Uh, which says something about his his mental status. He's been here in Elantris, but yeah, this is uh, the task that he has been assigned is to clean up this this building, which I'm sure is an important one. I'm sure will improve um, both practical things like cleanliness, cleanliness and traction, but also their mood. But it does <laughs> sound particularly miserable in this city that is already miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's also like. At no point when Raiden is asking, what did you used to do for a living? Does he also ask, hey, did you enjoy that? He just goes, great, you're going to have to do that for weeks on end now. That's your job. <laughs> you thought you had escaped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, sir, I, I used to be a cleaner. And, and the one redeeming factor about Elantris is that I don't have to do it anymore. Here's a sponge. I'm so excited for you to get to cleaning this church. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a life apparently. There's another uh, bit here on, uh, and and this is something looking at kind of recurring themes or or things that Brandon worked with more than once. This is something that we also saw Kelsier looking at, maybe in slightly different ways. Uh, was you know Galadon has commented on Raiden's kind of relentless optimism. And we, we dip into Raiden's uh, thoughts here for a moment where he's he's very aware of the fact that it is almost entirely a performance. It is, you know, th there's there's probably some basis to his, his actual mood there, but he is very intentionally trying to portray this, this, uh, this hopeful, this, you know, dedicated uh, point of view for the people around him. And and he's you know he 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 is thinking about his own pains, and the very slim chance that that they really have of you know, getting anywhere that you could call succeeding, but he's going to to keep trying it. Uh, yeah, I in in less well thought out terms, I have the exact same point in my notes at this exact same point of the book of his endless optimism, giving me Kelsier vibes. I specifically wrote that down mm -hmm. because yeah, it's. 
We got more Mistborn DNA of like just kind of laying the groundwork for these repeating themes across these books, which I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of neat. Um, and in this case, it's interesting in this case because Kelsier already had kind of a crew and he had this reputation for being endlessly optimistic. And here we have a, a different angle of um, Rayodin is really starting from the ground up and no one really knows who he is. And he is like, we, we're seeing the very beginnings of this kind of how to lead a group of people, whereas Kelsier already kind of had the legend established. Um, so kind of seeing, yeah, it's, it's like a weird retro Kelsier origin story in a weird way. And I f it's, it's extra funny because I feel like Rayoda and Kelsier might really annoy each other. <laughs> like, it's a very similar struggle, but I feel like as characters, they, they would just sort of irritate each other. If Kelsier didn't just kill Rayodin on sight on account of being nobility. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Would that still... That's a good question. Would nobles who are part of a completely different structure... They, they'd probably still count. Let's let's be honest. I think they'd probably still yeah. count. <laughs> I mean, they're not that different. There's a whole lot of lording it over. We just don't see the other side of it because there are no non-noble fucking characters in this book. Hey, Ka Kahar is probably not noble, and he gets too clean <laughs> all day and night. That's right. But he, he's also magically immortal, so... I mean, in this case, this is a bad thing, but... Yeah. <laughs> the bad kind of immortal. But unfortunately for our, our group, this uh, this pondering from Rayodin is interrupted uh, by Saolin, who is their, I guess, kind of chief guard now, uh, who comes in uh, in a, uh, a big panic. And Rayodin says, someone like this, if they are... If they're in this upset of a mood, there's probably something serious going on. Uh, which in this case is there's a, a group of about a dozen uh, armed men who are approaching with actual real weaponry. Uh, which would, uh, e even even if they had more people, you have Saolin with his pointy rock on a stick spear and 12 guards armed with actual blades. This is not going to go well. <laughs> but we find out that this is a kind of escort because Karata has arrived. We have now met the second of the, the three main gang leaders in Lantris after spying on Andon last week. Uh, Karata has taken matters into her own hands and has come here to uh to uh, kind of take control of the situation it is interesting and fortuitous that she took matters into her own hands because i feel like a lot of people would just be like hey lieutenant go burn that building down right she shows up in person she doesn't take any it it doesn't look like she's going to take any of the action here but she does actually walk all the way over there look you know look Rayodin in the eye on this and then say, all right, destroy everything. And if it were a lieutenant, then Rayodin couldn't do his Hail Mary here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Because he, he needs to immediately start bargaining and he needs to jump right to 
the one key important thing. The, the thing that Galadon told him uh, is that Karada has been trying to, has been successfully escaping uh, the city or is escaping Elantris and has been trying to, to do something involving uh, the palace in, uh, in the city of K. And so that's what he, that's what he has to offer right away is I can get you into the palace. And uh, Karada immediately thinks that this is a uh, somewhat unlikely offer for him to be able to fulfill. And, and she says the, the way that the guards have been increasing, we probably can't get, even get out of the city. Uh, and he says, I can get you out of the city too, which is a, an even bolder claim. And she says, you must be, must be desperate which, yes, she came and threatened his entire thing here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I agree, Sam, uh, she goes to have a nap and Zen fires missiles. <laughs> or, in the, in this case, have her guards uh, break the limbs of every person here and leave them to rot in their agony. Which is no worse than her original threat, which is nice. Yeah. But she phrased it more dramatically this time, which I appreciate. Like, before it was just like, destroy the building, chase them out, break some bones. Now it's, I will leave them to rot in their agony. It is, she specified break some bones, and then the second threat is break bones of every single person here. I was assuming it would just be a few people. Um, So, I, it, it ramped up slightly, I think. Especially in just the dramatic <laughs> delivery, but also... Might might be volume of bone breakage increased. <laughs> so we will have to see how that progresses. We get a, a brief scene in the, the intervening time where uh, Galadon is trying to convince Raiden to take the, uh, in his mind, much saner tactic of we should just get out of this place, run and hide, set up somewhere else. It would be nigh impossible for her to track us down if there's plenty of places to hide. But you know, we 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 had a good attempt. But one of the one of the serious people came and took notice, and the the jig's kind of up. But Raiden wants to wants to follow through on his promise, uh, and he also points out to to Galadon that he's not here to to form another gang he, he's not here to seize power you know a quarter of the power for himself or more he wants to to give these people some sort of life uh, which is a uh, a bold claim and galadon says that's impossible and from galadon's pov i think i'd be inclined to believe him but raiden is going to uh, going to attempt some heroics yeah, on the one hand, I'm like, come on, Galadon, this is Rayodin. Like, do you really think he's starting another gang? But on the other hand, Rayodin isn't telling him anything. He just <laughs> keeps going, go, be a distraction, run through the square. So I think we might be able to forgive some hesitance on Galadon's part. <laughs> yeah. Do you think I'm here to start a gang? Anyway, I'm going to go punch Karada in the face. You have to, like, run as fast as you can in the other direction and just, just save the entire scenario. Um, 
Yeah, I do. I I do really love the line of "It's impossible" and Raiden saying, "So is getting Grotto into Iodon's palace." Anyways, I'm gonna do that real quick, and uh, I'll be back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come on, Galadon, we're making a zombie union. <laughs> yeah, zombie co-op maybe. <laughs> a co-op. That's a very apt term because they're making their own food, which we'll learn in a bit because the corn Spoilers. is plantable. But yeah, we go from there to there are there are two things in this chapter that when I started this reread were definitely plot points that I remembered, but I did not remember them happening this quick. So I was somewhat surprised when we got here uh, because we are escaping through the well. I was also surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I thought it was like, all right, I'm going to get her out. I was like, oh, that's a really cool setup for next chapter. Oh, it's one page later, and we are mid-escape scene already. Yeah, not just mid-escape, but through the 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 well that we've speculated about. Hey, which I I definitely assume like I remembered that that was a, a payoff with the well connecting to the river under the city. But yeah, I thought it was like toward the end of part one or something like that. But nope, here we are. We're going to. Uh, <laughs> We're going to test that theory of we're already dead. We don't need to breathe underwater. So how about we just go through the water? Great. I'm glad that we read <laughs> the books in the order we did because it would have made me so angry in Well of Ascension. <laughs> if it were like, oh, look, Brandon's doing the well thing again. It's going to be super important. Nope. <laughs> and it's never spoken of again. <laughs> never again. Brandon did half of a well thing, which did involve people sneaking in through a well, and then we just forgot about that forever. <laughs> it is worth I noting, never forget. there is a very important well in the Well of Ascension, just not the one where people went in and swum underneath to get into the oh, city. There's, there's, also, there's also escape involved, too. It's not our protagonists escaping, it's in fact in... <laughs> embodiment of dis divine destruction but you know they don't know that <laughs> tomato tomato there's still time for Raiden to become an evil god <laughs> i suppose we can't write that out put it on the predictions list do we know if Raiden has red hair <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point we don't actually know who that was do we yeah. no <laughs> we don't. no justin we don't <laughs> You know that. Why are you even asking? You know I don't know that. Because <laughs> it's fun. <sighs> to quote a later Cosmere book when this all starts coming up. Well, we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that actually is. That was, uh, what was the, what was it? What's a shard? I think that was the question yeah. was, what is a shard? And the, the direct reply was, yeah, we're not getting into that right now. <laughs> Uh, but w w what we are going to see is the uh, the well escape plan, and it it progresses about as as we discussed. Was the uh, Raiden has a a rope that can get them most of the way down the well. Uh, they do have to just drop into the water, which is terrifying. There are so many ways that this could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Starting with the the one that he specifically mentions was uh 
hopefully it is wide enough the entire way through or we're just going to end up stuck there. But yeah, they uh, they get themselves into the river. They let themselves get swept downstream, try to to keep themselves away from the uh, the sides so they don't end up in more eternal pain. And they manage to pull it off. It it takes some time, but they've got nothing but time. And pretty soon they find themselves on the the bank of the river, going kind of around the the south uh, southwest part of the city of K. Once more, everything just moving along a lot faster than I thought it would. But... <laughs> It, like the descriptions of of Rayodin kind of like be swimming through this void and thinking to himself, and then I also love like the payoff of, well, maybe if he had focused more on not breathing, so his lungs weren't full of water when he emerged, and he hadn't just been daydreaming, this would have gone even smoother. Um, but uh, yeah, two pages later, Rayodin is out of Elantris with very little obstacle, which is just kind of wild. Yeah, he got in the city. Like, he was thrown in within, like, three pages. And it does not take him very long to get back out. Yeah, and now he's he's back out in, like, a total of two pages to actually accomplish that. <laughs> I am kind of glad that they didn't spend too long on the trip, just to relieve some of the psychological horror of that. Oh, yeah, no, that would have been awful. And then... Rayodin continues to be the best at concealing his secret identity when he says, Hey, Karada, I know a secret entrance into the palace, and also I know all of the inner thoughts and insecurities of the king, but please don't kill the king. That would hurt my feelings. Anyways, you've never met me before in your life. <laughs> yeah, uh, master of disguise here. What's even a little weirder is it's revealed later on that she's like the wife of a guard. Is she herself a guard? Or was she, I guess? Because I know that her, like, dormitory-ish thing was in the palace, which is why, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, because she does go to meet her child, briefly, leave a note. <gasps> Crazy! <laughs> but, like, Rayodin doesn't recognize her as quickly as she recognizes him. I, I think in the lead-up to that section, it mentions that the guards can have their families come to live in the palace. So I was under the assumption she was not a guard. It's just that she was part of a guard's family, and so she was allowed to live there. I believe that's correct. I Yeah, I also can't imagine a woman being allowed to be a guard in our lawn society. Oh, yeah. What was the true. whole next chapter thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a... Uh... We have a, a, a stealth sequence here. Uh, I do like the 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 exchange where Raiden says that there's a there's a secret passage uh, out uh, on, on the the palace wall, uh, and and Karata is uh, says that you know it's a, it's a little quaint, isn't it? It's like something out of a out of a children's story. Uh, and Rayodin says that, yeah, but Idon likes those stories, so he put secret passages in. <laughs> As someone who dreams of having a secret room behind a bookcase someday, yes. <laughs> I am literally planning on it. <laughs> oh god, hang on, I have to do research for a second. 
on how easy it is to make a secret bookcase entrance. Harry Bennett. Harry Bennett uh, built a hideout on 80 acres of land. Um, and it was insane. It included a secret passage to the water so that he could make a water getaway if somebody attacked his home. Um, very interesting guy, this Harry Bennett. Uh, he also was fired, and he tried to shoot the guy that fired him. Um, Ford Motor, back in the day, was Wild West Town. But yeah, he built a house on 80 acres of land, and it was buck wild, fucking crazy. I mean, should we talk about Brandon's literal secret underground lair? Oh, Brandon has a literal secret underground lair? He does. I mean, it's not very secret in that he like posted photos of it being constructed, but... At some point when he had earned a lot of money from his books, he wanted to, he basically wanted to build like a nerd dream house. Uh, and there was not, he, he wouldn't have been able to like actually expand their physical house that much, but they could buy land next door, which they did. And then he built an underground lair because he could. <laughs> And Incredible. there's, like, a big game room in there. There's a movie theater. Like, it looks incredible. And it is exactly the kind of thing that I would be very tempted to build if I had truly stupid amounts of money. <laughs> Unfortunately, as we are currently dealing with, I live right next to a creek, which means there's water, which means you can't do anything even remotely underground, even, like, pour a foundation we're trying to oh, renovate good. our garage and it's miserable. I'm sorry. <laughs> underground water features, Justin. That sounds like an easy way to build a water slide underground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing a ground level water slide that just goes down. <laughs> <laughs> like you get onto it at ground level and then you just go through the dirt. It's fun. So yeah, we have a uh, we have secret passages. Uh, we have Rayodin with his uh, very uh, useful but suspicious knowledge of the palace, uh, which Rayodin does realize that he probably shouldn't try to make up anything for this, and just doesn't say anything. <laughs> and uh, this was a this was a bold play, because. Rodin mentions that this secret passage is because uh, Iodon is paranoid about people attacking while he's asleep, which means that the passage goes into his bedroom. So they need to just sneak right through it. Uh, apparently he is a quite a deep sleeper. So that's, uh, that's possible. And they, they do manage to get through the bedroom. Where did I make my... I made a putt prediction that uh, Karata is presumably going to visit her child from before she was shayoted. Um, but I don't remember the precise paragraph where I said that. Oh, this was something during the course of this reading that you thought was coming up and then did come up? I've got secret exit. They go in and through and into his boudoir. Karata went to visit her child from before she was shayoted. Probably. They get discovered. So it was somewhere in that sequence. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> like that's like right here where we are, yeah. <laughs> I predicted it was her child. I think it was while she was visiting the small shape in the 
dormitory room. So maybe it's not that impressive. <laughs> it's a tap in. Tap in prediction. <laughs> I will I mean it's 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 still good to to get the tap in predictions, but in hindsight, it's also very funny when like later on Rayoden is like, wait, that was your husband? And then and not until after that, Rayoden goes, Wait, that was your child's? And I am thinking like <laughs> Raiden, if it wasn't her child, th that whole scene would be way weirder and more concerning. That yeah. she just <laughs> broke into the palace to go talk to a kid who is not important to her at all. She just wanted to chill with that kid for a couple seconds and then went, all right, I'm good. We can leave now. Like, I really hope that's her child, Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't, you should have been like, guards, get her. <laughs> yeah. She's a weirdo. I came because I loved slitting people's throats while they sleep in the palace <laughs> but, but not, not the, the kings. kings just this random kid <laughs> just random people random children it's a much more horrifying story which is saying something given what happens in this story <laughs> yeah given that this city is bad well not all bad we'll find out in a, in a bit in the same true. chapter that's that true, true. Oh. yeah so on the 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 way back out apparently we we still don't know exactly what actually happened but on the way out there is a uh, there is a guard who they just kind of like run into each other and, and there's a, a moment of panic where nobody really knows what to do uh, karata immediately goes to try to restrain him but she is an elantrian and is not in good shape and he is a hired palace guard who presumably has a decent amount of physical ability and is able to to turn the tables on that. And then Raoden returns to his his uh, favorite plan of making things up as he go and seeming like he knows what he's talking about, uh, where he threatens this man with Aeon Dor, despite the fact that uh, from what we've seen this shouldn't actually do anything. Uh, and we've also seen that Raiden doesn't know anything about uh, the actual mechanics of Aeon Dor, just besides a kind of bare minimum. But he he makes a threat. He has, uh, he, he draws an Aeon. He says that it will, uh, it will kill this man if he moves from this spot before it, it, it dissipates. And then they are just gonna leave. <laughs> I love this move. I think it's very clever and very funny to use even the the f to weaponize the broken magic. Just be like, I know it's gonna disappear, so uh, uh, it will hang there unseen. It's Give me your hidden, sword. We're going hidden death thing now. <laughs> it's also funny to me. It is. It is very likely that Karata has already independently discovered that hey i can make the lines glow a little bit but they don't do anything but this is as we will find out later on the same page her husband and at no point does he check in and be like hey that was just a bluff right like you're not actually holding my <laughs> husband actively hostage as we escape right. as as they have undertaken this mission specifically because she still is attached to these people from outside that she still very much cares about you know, I feel like if you pissed Zane off and dropped him in this world, he could kill every single person. 
I have yet to be impressed by the physical prowess of a single person in this entire book. Uh, for, like, even okay. Nathan is like only mildly inch, I I impressive because he's tall. I <laughs> Sarin's tall too. You're you're probably not wrong, but it is worth noting that the only magic we've seen in the book so far is broken and Zane is a powerful mistborn, so he has a significant <laughs> leg up just due to his magical powers that no one else in this world currently has. Alright, um, but still, I mean, like, a, a competent fighter, you drop Ham, even without I was gonna say, Ham, I bet Ham could beat up most of these people and, and survive. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see our first fight scene really badly. That is something that is... Uh somewhat lacking compared to final empire did not take long before we we saw some combat well yeah we didn't specifically see combat but the prologue does feature a plantation being burnt to the ground right yeah we have we have the implied magical fights and violence before we even hit chapter one and then it's only like chapter three or something when um when Kelsier attacks House Venture, right? Like it's it's within the first couple of chapters. It's it's pretty early on, yeah. Does he do that before he beats the shit out of Cayman? I don't remember. I That's think Cayman comes first because I think yeah. the the raid on Venture is until after he meets up with Vin and recruits her, but it is still very early on. Um, I'm also realizing it's it's also kind of a false comparison to bring in Ham in the same way as Zane. Ham can't die, so to say that he'd be able to take all these people in a fight is is not even like don't you don't even need to say it out loud. Well, but nobody from Elantris can die either. It's it's a perfect fit. That's true. So yeah, once they are safely out of the palace and can speak again, we've we've already mentioned a lot of this because it's kind of hard to not talk about. Uh, this is what Karada mentions is, first of all, the man that they that they almost got captured by uh, was her husband, and he did not even recognize her, which, granted, the circumstances are pretty drastic, but that that has to be quite a thing for her to realize. And then, yeah, this was this was the reason for this whole visit and probably the reason that Karata has been trying to escape the city kind of at all was the uh, the little girl in the room that they stopped by was Karata's daughter and she wanted to at least see her and and tell her it'll be all right and and leave a a note and a gift and that's uh that's an interesting take on one of our three warlords of the city of Elantris yeah. <laughs> one eat books. <laughs> one eat book. <laughs> uh, one likes to beat people up, and the other one likes children. All right. And doesn't keep them as child labor. No, yeah, I, I am. I don't know if there's ever been a theory I've had so far that was weirdly close, but also just so so wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't know what to say at this point. I think the connection was impressive, though. I I'm, I I was correct that Karada was the yeah. one was the reason no one could see any children because she had them all in the palace. 
I was just very wrong about how she treated them. Yeah, that was definitely one where uh, when Beth and I heard that uh, that prediction, that was one of those, wow, that was almost dead on, but also like not right at a very important point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also learn here that once again, for people who know much of anything about the state of the world, Raoden was not as sneaky as he thought he was. Uh, because Karata has also figured it out. I mean, granted, for her, she did apparently live in the palace for quite some time. So if anybody could, apparently she would have had a pretty good shot. I can't wait for Raiden to start talking with Andin and trying to negotiate more things. And uh, Andin's just like, Prince Raiden, is that you? What are you doing here, man? What's going on? He's like, no, shut up, Master Spirit. It's not, no, shut up, come on. <laughs> this is my favorite running gag. He sucks at disguises. <laughs> I'm just waiting for, like, him to, to uh, like, Wern to meet him or something and be like, Raiden? <laughs> you don't even know who I am. What? <laughs> damn it. Come on. God damn it, I'm so bad at this. Hoyt shows up and is like, oh, hey, Raiden. What do you mean? What? Who is this guy? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I mean, I I can see Hoyt knowing who he is just because that's who Hoyt is. But, but Raiden certainly wouldn't have any idea. But yeah, this was... Uh, this was his his promise has has been fulfilled he was able to get karata out of the city and into the palace and so as promised she is going to leave his his group alone though he's going to to try to push this advantage a bit uh, because he doesn't just want a a simple leave us alone he wants a little bit more of I'm trying to do something here that I think is important and I, I want help with it. And one of the, the things that we learn is that uh, I don't know how widely known this is and if this is just something that Raoden knows because it's so recent for him uh, or if it's something that he knows because of his position in, in the nobility but the 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 kind of ritual when people are sent into the city of Elantris with that that offering of food is that the uh, part of that offering is actually plantable grain, and so all of the 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 food that he has been collecting and then distributing from all the newcomers, uh, the 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 corn from each offering. Uh, at least the theory is that it can be planted and and farmed and creating an actual source of of food for the the people in the city it's I, it's really cool and it's also another like 10 foot putt for me because earlier apparently there was an off-screen recruit named lauren who was working on some dirt outside and i was like "Ooh, he's gonna start <laughs> gardening um but um it's it's slightly strange that it's framed as a twist of like we can plant this corn because it's required that all the sacrifices be plantable 
I don't know. I, I feel like you mentioned like maybe Rayudin knows this because of his position or whatever, but I feel like that would probably be told to people getting thrown into Elantris of like, hey, right. you can plant this if you want. And so the fact that Rayudin is the first one to have the idea of do what you were supposed to do with the food you were given. Um, I don't know. The framing of this of this development seems just slightly weird to me, but it's still exciting because it's more city building. Trying to figure this out. What's the name of the shitty company that farmers buy their corn from? Monsanto. Fucking Monsanto. God damn it. I searched. Let me let me summarize my Google searches here. Uh, seed seller. Seed company. <laughs> Who sells corn to farmers? <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't get fucking Monsanto. Uh, anyway, my joke isn't even funny anymore, but this is. <laughs> so there. I feel like that's just a summary of our podcast. The jokes <laughs> can hit or miss, but the process is what you're here for. <laughs> it's the lead up. Google could get, what was it? Like, quote, that one painter what where painted all them milty clocks, correct? <laughs> but it can't get, who sells corn to farmers? Or that actor with the eyebrows. <laughs> ah, yes, Will Poulter. We're Will familiar. Poulter. <laughs> Will Poulter. But can't get who sells corn to farmers. <laughs> Did you mean Where farmer Will buy Poulter? Corn? So to wrap up this, uh, this stealth section, uh, we have, I think maybe my favorite of the chapter of Raoden pretends like he knows what he's doing and people go along with it. Uh, which is how they get back into Elantris, because you can't you can't reverse the process. Uh, so his solution is to walk up to the front door and say to the guards, "Hey, can we get back in the city, please?" <laughs> yeah, you mentioned like wrapping up the stealth sequence. This feels like a speed run strat of all right. Technically, yes. you're not supposed to get caught at any point, but if you do get caught by the guards, it just routes you back to this specific point exactly. on the map, which is actually closer to your objective, so you might as well just do that. Yeah. That's what you do in Wind Waker. The first yep. time you're in the second <laughs> fortress, you just immediately yeah. get caught because yep. it gets you closer to the map. <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think my favorite speedrun of all time is Dear Esther. <laughs> Which what is, is a game? Do you just walk in the correct direction? Well, no, there are like actual like warps. No, but dear, dear Esther, for those who don't know, is a is a game where you slowly walk around the land while a narrator talks about how his wife died and how sad he is. It is it is the the origin of the term walking simulator. Yes, <laughs> exactly, and it's a beautiful. I highly recommend Dear Esther. Oh yeah, but um, immediately I played it and I was like. I want to see a speedrun of this <laughs> Be because it's all about taking your time. So, yeah. So speedrun strat, get caught by the guards and tell them if you don't let us in, we'll say we got out. <laughs> get well you in trouble. While playing Dear Esther. While playing Dear Esther. So, yeah, and it uh, it works. And and Raiden is uh, is gracious and and friendly to them the whole time he says thank you you're doing a great job we'll try to get you a raise which that's just <laughs> like how far do you think you can actually push this yeah <laughs> i mean i guess if if they do find a way to like save the day and have him return to glory and and his title and all that he probably could get this guy a raise 
but in the current situation, it seems fairly difficult. You'd think he'd be pretty well paid already. These are the most elite of all of uh, this country's soldiers. Erlon's soldiers. My brain shutting down. <laughs> it's, it's just bit by bit. I forget everything. Well, we've got uh, a couple of pages and two more chapters to go, so let's uh, let's valiantly trudge on. Hang in there. <laughs> let's trudge on. But seriously, these are the best soldiers in the whole of Aralon, so they should be paid pretty well already. One would to drink and play cards. Exactly. So, uh, Raiden once again has to say, "I know you figured out right away who I was, but please don't tell anyone." So we'll we'll see if Karada can also maintain that secret at least for a while. And she decides to to show him something. And this was the other thing that uh was one of the things that I I remembered from this book but definitely thought happened much much later uh, was we get to see why Karata has why she's taken charge what her kind of mission in the city is and we figure out uh Rayodin's question from just a little bit ago of why don't i see any children is because karata has has taken it on herself to find the children when they come to elantris and bring them back to her territory and make sure that they're cared for and I think this is a really cool scene. Yeah, despite completely disproving my theory as as has been already established, I also really love this scene. I really, I was clearly wrong about Karata, but I was very pleasantly surprised with what this character is going to be. Um, it's very sweet. It's very wholesome. And then I also really love the end of the chapter where both of them go, we're still ruthless when we need to be. Like, let's not bullshit about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I like this scene a lot. It's cool. Yeah. I didn't expect her to have a cogent desire. <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect her to be like, you know, hoed or however you say that. But, um, Elantrians don't seem to think beyond like tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, or think most of them. <laughs> So I was picturing someone like Anden, like, you know, just a, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I want to break out of Elantris and sneak into the palace to kill the king because I'm crazy. <laughs> so this is pretty refreshing to see that, you know, there's, there's uh, motives, motivations here that are good. So good for you, Karada. Well, yeah, I mean, of yeah. the two, the, the two other gangs we have... Uh, Shayor, who we've only seen Shayor's men, who are just, like, rampaging around and and brutally attacking people. And Andon, who has apparently lost almost all grip on reality and conducts mock executions that actually do chop people's heads off. So Karata is uh, is quite a different, uh, a different way to to see how the the third warlord of elantris operates and i think it's especially nice on the heels of what you were pointing out earlier caleb of like why has no one paid attention to the corn before like 
it, it can't be the case that literally everyone is just sitting around and like wallowing in their wounds and misery. And this is a nice example of like, no, other people got other shit going on. She's taking care of the kids. Rayodin is not the only good cogent leader in Elantris. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I would go so far as to say this book has almost two memorable female characters. I, I was about to go there. I don't know if we can say she's so memorable <laughs> just yet, but I think there's a chance by the end of the book we have two whole memorable female characters. Wow. Or what if she is the memorable female character? <laughs> yeah. Serene's <laughs> not memorable at all. <laughs> 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 dot, dot, dot. And I'm not talking about Serene. <laughs> but yeah, they cut that out of the review. Man, if I read a review like that, I would be motivated to read the book. To be like, who? Because your immediate uh, assumption would be, oh, it's the main character who we spend a ton of time watching. Right. Video. Yeah. Yeah, the one whose uh, who's chapter we're heading to just in a bit. Because we we wrap up this uh, this Raiden chapter for this episode, uh, he does return to his group, which uh, shocks Galadon, who says, "You're not dead," and he says, "Well, of course I am. We're all dead." <laughs> but uh, yeah, he has he's pulled it off. He's returned with a a gift for uh, Saolin, which is the the sword that they they got from the guard. So and uh, I speaking of ahead. the sword, I, I know mm -hmm. it has a scabbard on it, but it specifically says that Rayodin tosses it across the room. And every single time something like that happens, I just think like you are Elantrians, you should be doing every single thing to minimize risk care. of anything going wrong. And so the idea that Rayodin's like, here, catch a sword. It's like Yeet. dude, chill out. <laughs> Then he says they're going on a field trip tomorrow. Seatbelts, everyone. <laughs> With the prince? No way. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how to follow that up, so I'm just going to turn the page and go to chapter 14. <laughs> Jedeth in the neighborhood? <laughs> Let's hope not. That one's not as good. Well done, Caleb. Every, thank you, but every time you say that, I have no idea if it's sincere or not, Sam. <laughs> it's, it's a mixture. It's 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 sincere, it's insincere, and it's always... That's, that's worse. Heartfelt. Gotta keep me on my toes, I guess. <laughs> there's, a, there's another podcast that I listen to where one of the one of the hosts, they, they rotate around uh, every every time he's on an episode and he's introduced during the intro, he will he will say thank you for having me it's great to be here and between <laughs> oh, no. the the exact repetition of it and his tone of voice it it is apparently completely sincere but you could have fooled me <laughs> so yeah that is uh that wraps up the uh the Raiden chapter for uh, this section and we will go check in with serene Whose stakes drop to zero? So exactly. bad at doing womanly things, she just can't do it right. Wow. Isn't it so embarrassing? Yeah, I think the there are sections in this chapter that that we'll get to that I think are um, 
that I, I like more. Uh, but this, every section with the, the, the women of the palace are just not, not my thing. I will say I am making fun of Serene is bad at womanly things, but, um, I, I think I like this more than all the painting stuff because the painting stuff you have like Ash and Lukel coming up and being like, man, you suck at this. This is shitty. This is terrible. <laughs> and at least here it's more like picturing at my head. It's more visual humor of you just see that she's bad at it. And then Queen Eshin very sincerely is like, oh, very good. And you see hers and it's really, really good. <laughs> that actually I feel like has solid comedic potential. But anytime the characters are directly pointing out in dialogue, man, Serene, you're terrible at this. It's like, why why are we devoting time to talking about this? This really doesn't seem like it's the best use of our time. Right, exactly. But uh, we do have uh, all of these uh, these people gathered here uh, for for whatever purpose it may be. In this case, uh, it is uh, it is uh, needlepoint. They're doing their their art and sitting around and chatting but it's a chance to sit around and chat so we do we do have that sam has strong feelings about embroidery (laughs) yeah are your your notes are oh it's an embroidery group this is boring are you referring to the group here or embroidery uh kind of everything uh like I don't know when is a good point to bring it up. I wrote it uh, uh, when Shudan says the country's perched on the edge of destruction. I guess I'll bring it up then. That's a good tie-in. So we'll do it when Shudan does this. Okay, thing. we'll wait till then. This chapter. Yeah. <laughs> it was foreshadowing. I'll hold you in Antissa. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so we have, uh, it says about 10 women here. And... Uh, Serene has apparently avoided this group for a bit, but has realized that knowing what gets talked about here is quite important if she wants to be politically connected. And so is now attending and attempting her embroidery and it's not going well. And I think some of who we've heard here, uh, uh, we have, we have Queen Eshin, uh, we have uh, Keen's wife, Deora, uh, and then we have more new names. <laughs> we have uh, Atara. We have Siden, who's Count Ahan's wife. God, there's so many names. We have Terena, daughter of Ahan. Under whose name I wrote, kill some people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care who, just get the list down. Just, just do a little calling, Brandon. Isn't Terena like 12? I don't know. I just it want her specify, out. Specify unmarried, so I would assume that marriage is at least on the table. Well, she has to be younger than 25 because it's unheard That's of true. for her to not be married yeah, by then. Yeah, 25. Spits. Yeah, otherwise she'd so... be a hag. An old crone. <laughs> I am glad that we are we are continuously mocking that. <laughs> <laughs> if we're still recording for Elantris by the time I turn 26, which I don't think we will be, but the joke will escalate <laughs> proportionally. Uh, I think you're safe if my mental schedule is is on track. I think we're safe. Okay, good. Can I just say I love Eshin's gossiping because it always starts with like a thesis and then it just non sequiturs. 
it just goes places. Like, Eshin Lord, sounds Lord like where? you're doing a sound check, Justin. You're not wrong. <laughs> she is just attempting to fill the, the space with sound. Topic be yeah. damned. <laughs> so we get we got like Lord Warren, son of the Baron. Uh oh, Lord Warren, son of the Baron. Nice rhythm. Yeah. Uh knew his mother. <laughs> she was good at knitting. Next year I'm gonna knit Iod on a sweater and his hair is too long. <laughs> yeah, we, we never get back to Lord Warren there. Never do. <laughs> I did I did write what a fucker under Iodon's hair being too long and him hating sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> fucker activity on the, on the next page too we have uh, uh eshin is is asking serene uh what kind of things that they that they do in tiad to pass the time and we immediately go from that to well i've heard lots of things about fjordan too you know they, they say that the trees get so cold that they explode sometimes i guess that makes you know it chops down your trees for you makes wood chips <laughs> how did we get so far so quickly it's almost <laughs> impressive yeah for for how like boring this scene is on the surface, there's a lot of wild things that get thrown out very quickly. There's exploding trees. <laughs> there's, hey, Serene, do you have to fight to the death uh, in your spare time back at home? Is that how it works back there? It's like, wh- what's going on here? Yeah, it's uh, apparently there is quite a bit of uh, of interesting discussion that happens in the meantime, but uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, one of the uh, one of the pastimes in Tiad is uh, is fencing, and so we do have a we have a promise of some sword fighting at some point in this book because uh, apparently Serene uh, does in in contrast to her embroidery does have some skill at fencing, and uh, has also now offered to to teach some of the others. Oh my god. Um, I rather enjoyed it personally. Fencing was my favorite sport. The woman's eyes shone with an appalling level of bloodlust. <laughs> yeah, that I do find I do find funny. <laughs> Holy shit! Airline women are hardcore, yo. <laughs> or they will be once Serene teaches them what feminism is. <laughs> it sounds like all she might need to do to get started is just give them a sword. I think we should try that in our life. <laughs> I mean, you've got two. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> but yeah, uh, not only is it's not only not a a womanly thing in Arlon to to fight with swords, uh, but it, apparently it's not really much of a thing at all. In that, Iodon has this this idea that that fighting is is um, too kind of uncivilized. And so there are there are people who are paid to be warriors, but if you're not one of them, then it's it, it's not dignified to you know carry a weapon and, and and learn how to carry yourself in combat, which doesn't uh, really bode well for defense of the kingdom type things. Yeah, this is, this is why Ham. This is the page where I I was like Ham can beat all these people up, um, and it, it like. I assume this means men of the court, but Serene specifically says none of the men can fight, which could mean all of the like, men in all of K. And they're like, nope, just Eondel and Shuden. And it's like, I, I would hope the palace guard can fight at least a little bit. Yeah. 
No, they can drink and play cards, Caleb. They're good at that. They're so good. <laughs> Thank you, Ash, for your uh, wonderful surveillance. We'll get into that. Oh, my God. But, yeah, this country is just going to be fuck easy to overthrow, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's not looking uh, not looking good. It's an egg perched atop of a mountain, remember? Of oh, course it'll be easy. Of course. <laughs> So yeah, we have uh, we have a promise to to learn some fencing, uh, and we will see we'll see how well that goes. And then Serena asks Ash where she left her post hole digger. I mean sword. Where is my super suit? <laughs> I do like that Serene bothered to bring her sword. I mean, presumably she moved many of her possessions. She's coming to live here, but. You're, you're traveling by ship. You do need to be, I think, somewhat um, somewhat conservative in how much you're going to, to pack and bring along. But she definitely brought the sword. It's my industrial strength hairdryer, and I can't live without it. I feel like that's a reference that I'm not getting. Spaceballs, baby. Okay. Ah, it's, I, it's could, yeah, I also, it sounded familiar to me as well, and I, I didn't get it. But now yeah. I know. What's weird is that Ash replies as if Ash was unaware that she had a sword. Your sword, my lady? I I interpreted that as like, why do you need that? Are you like double checking? Like, did I hear you correctly that you're looking for your sword? Why why your sword? (laughs) I was just reading Ash as like kind of a ditz this whole chapter because there's a lot of ditzy behavior that Ash exhibits. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I I think I read it in a long the same lines as Caleb is. Your sword, my lady? Subtext. Why the fuck are you asking? Can you stay out of trouble for ten minutes? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe Serene trying to find her sword is a is a harbinger of uh, of trouble to come. <laughs> but yeah, we... Uh, uh, I think we like barely mentioned it when we uh, chatted last week. Uh, but... Ash had been been sent to to take a look around and see what he could see and hear. Uh, and apparently the answer is not much. So a bit of a disappointment there. Yeah, that was I, I do I'm still I'm still an Ash fan, but I am with Sam here in terms of you visited the palace prisons and you visited Elantris and you came back with I don't really know anything. Yeah, for both subjects. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't learn anything. This is like, um, it, uh, like Ash spent like ten minutes. Like, uh, hey, you guys know anything about Elantris? Yeah, they're they're like kind of dead. All right, bet bye. Okay, Ash, you gotta dig a little. You gotta ask some questions. I don't know. <laughs> if you don't ask the right questions, you're going back in your box in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Every Sion has one. <laughs> so yeah, do we find anything out here? I mean, mostly these are, th- especially the things about Elantris, these are things that we know more about than Ash or Serene. So not much, not much there. We learned some misinformation, at least a little bit, I think. Because um, Ash says that he learned Elantrians lose their self-identity when they are Sheoded. Which is not a hundred percent. I don't think Rayodin. Rayodin knows who he is. Right. At at least it's not. I mean, may, maybe if Ash only saw Elantrians who were in particularly bad shape, 
but yeah, we have a, a whole group of people who, um, the the latest recruit. It took him a second to to piece things back together, uh, but like his own name, he had right away. Right. I I kind of interpreted that as most of the Elantrians who are not Hoed um, are probably one a part of one of the gangs, so they probably are like in one location that is likely indoors. Um, in fact, we know they're indoors. We know they've got the palace and the library and whatever mm-hmm. the wherever the fuck Sheor is. Um, so in terms of Ash just wandering the streets and finding Elantrians, it would probably mostly be people who are already too far gone to talk to. Oh, Fair. And Ash doesn't have a lot of sympathy to give them either. <laughs> no. They're a, group really. of, they're a group of miserable, cursed individuals that your god appears to have forgotten. All right, Ash. Very <laughs> very compassionate. With a, uh, a brief diversion for Serene to prepare for tonight's event, she's getting dressed up and no longer in uh, the morning black that she has been uh, wearing quite a bit of so far. And then we get to hear Ash's report on uh, the palace dungeons. Serene had a uh, a brief thought that maybe it's possible that Raiden isn't dead but has been locked away somewhere. Uh, and at least at first pass, Ash could not find any evidence of that. And uh, yeah, didn't really uh, didn't really get much info from that. But apparently it was allowed in the dungeons. <laughs> yeah, can Sion's just kind of like float where they please? <laughs> What's anybody going to do to stop them? Everybody that, that, sucks at fighting. That's fair. <laughs> Serene's modeling her gold dress, or is it black and blue? It, it probably is not black and blue because she explicitly is like, I want to wear as little black as possible. Remember the dress. And and then she puts on the 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 cloak at the back and says, well, that part's black, so I'm definitely still mourning, right? That counts. <laughs> so, yeah, not a lot of information gleaned so far from the uh, the, the scouting reports, but uh, Serene is uh, is going to go off to a party, and we will we'll get to see what happens there. This uh, this particular party has been uh, is being held by Duke Tellery. Uh, he is uh, he's definitely attempting to display his wealth here the the number of people invited the the scene as uh, serene is arriving all sorts of of lavish expenses uh, including some sort of uh, some special rock that burns uh, much brighter and much more quickly than coal which is very expensive Maybe i think these are just limelights burning coal on the way <laughs> like <laughs> spewing coal smoke all around this party. Gosh, Tellery is not inconspicuous here. He knows he's playing with house money now, which we learn later. So Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Just gonna burn expensive shit on top of these metal poles. Yeah, why not? Literally lighting Hraithen's money on fire. <laughs> God, at my at my work there was like a four-year period where whenever we had a company meeting where we were when we started to talk about like company finances there'd be a slide on the presentation that had this stupid picture 
of a chimp holding a cigar like he was smoking it and money in the background and it's just the stupidest thing and they always kept using it and it's barely related to this but it's related to to burning and money but anyway (laughs) justin i think you i think you saw the first nft i just just (laughs) might have actually come to think of it which is also just burning money (laughs) it's amazing how that reference is like barely even topical at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. How many NFTs does Shuden have? Shuden probably doesn't have a ton. I guarantee you, Tellery has like a ton of NFTs, and he's waiting for it yeah. to get real big. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Shuden is uh, Serene's uh, um, partner for the night for the this event as she had uh, she had discussed with uh, a couple of the the group uh, earlier that they're going to they're going to each take their turn inviting her because that would be the 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 socially appropriate way for serene as a a, a widow to come to these events and uh here it, it's shudan's turn first and here is where he he looks at the uh the the party and and very much shades of the the balls in Mistborn of look at look at everything going on here and and what's going on outside and he says uh you look at this one would never know that this country is dancing on the edge of destruction and now the moment you've all been waiting for <laughs> the patient i don't get the stakes of this book <laughs> Like, Rayodin is a Lantrian now, but that doesn't seem particularly time-bound. Hraithan has to convert the whole place, but that seems to be going pretty well. Iodon is not a great leader, but Brandon hasn't done a lot to establish that the country is dancing on the edge of destruction, like Shudan says. I got it in Mistborn. Things were really actually shitty. You could see it, like, even at the noble balls, like, outside, they'd beat the shit out of, like, a peasant or whatever. But here's, there's just, uh, we get to see one peasant. And it's like a, a guy whose children are being separated from him. Fine. But what I would have liked in that scene would have been for that peasant, if we're talking about dancing on the edge of destruction, for that peasant to go fucking crazy and say, you motherfucker, and run and like have to be physically separated from the guy who is stealing his child from him. But instead he just goes, oh, and leaves. Like, where's the... Brandon... <laughs> Convince me. Show me how shitty things are. <laughs> if you have time to look at ledgers, things aren't that shitty. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not. Because uh, <laughs> Ellen does do that a lot. Uh, <laughs> in well. But, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just I need more stakes. Come on. Punch it up. I think I I think I do agree with you there, and for the record, this is proving your point even further. Uh, they didn't beat the shit out of peasants outside of the balls and Mistborn; they just executed them. Um, yep. Just so, them. like, yeah, that's. I, I think you you raise a, you raise a really good point, um, and I think Vin was a very good POV character of someone who came from the streets and was part of the lower class, um, and gave us that kind of insight. Whereas. I think in episode one of this podcast, I mentioned how, like, all three of our protagonists are a little bit prissy and come from a very, like, fancy <laughs> background. Um, 
So we don't really get that perspective very much in Elantra so far. And yeah, I kind of agree with you there. And I think it also, it does, it is, Shuden's line is a little bit weird there because yeah, Horathan has a very important deadline, but none of these characters know that. They have their own secret plan, but it's a long-term plan of several months. Let's see how it works if we like pay our workers a living wage, I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know why Shuden is like, man, yeah, this, this country is about to fucking collapse. Um, I, I agree that I don't quite buy that line in terms of Shuden feeling that way. One, one more thing that uh, you reminded me of that I wanted to say. Uh, Serene is like the fill-in for Rayodin here. Rayodin who would have made a great like Kelsier kind of substitute-ish thing, except Noble. Um, but Serene seems to be doing it just for fun. There's no, yeah, like, it, it's the stakes are very different because it's not her country, right? She can go home at any time, as Evanteo is very clear to establish. Like, if you change your mind, you can come right back home. She in her in her opening chapters, she talks a little bit about how uh, Teo and Arlon are the only two remaining countries that have not been taken over by the empire and that's why the alliance is so important which then does in turn kind of make sense where she's like i need to just fuck over Hraithan at every turn but yeah she has i don't know if she has any reason to believe oh the fjordel empire is like on our doorstep about to completely take over it's just hey there's a gjorn here and he's acting kind of funky um so yeah they're they're there are stakes for Serene, but I agree that it, they have not been, like, firmly established throughout the entire book so far. It's been, like, mentioned once or twice, and then that's enough for Serene to go, all right, I'm just going to try and gain power and keep my eye on Hraithan and just kind of do my own thing. You know, I'm I'm wondering, I, I don't, when we start a new book, I don't want to kind of prejudice the reading too much by talking a lot about kind of like the the fan reception to to each of the books uh, but i'm i'm remembering now that uh it's actually one of the um one of i think it's it's both one of the reasons why brandon got known for having the 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 sanderlanch ending and also it's a it's one of the critiques of this book is that uh when we do get to the ending of this book kind of everything just happens all like on top of each other and keeps happening until the book ends and i'm i'm wondering if that is kind of like all of all of the stakes and all of the, the like direct connection to the the consequences is all kind of concentrated nearer to the end and i think that might be what's going on here because i i agree in that uh i think especially for um for serene and i think is why this serene chapter in particular didn't really land for me is she doesn't have those those stakes as much as the other characters do yeah i think it's a lot of we're doing a lot of telling instead of showing of like the country's in bad shape we're in trouble everything's fucked we're an egg on top of a mountain and i i i also wonder if Ser serene's like 
she has a, a very confident, almost flippant attitude about it sometimes, where she talks about, like, me and Hrathen are just going to be playing mind games with each other. Like, there, there, there's a point where the word games is specifically used, where it's like, okay, if we're, if these statements are the only way our stakes are established, maybe don't refer to them as games. It may undercut you a little bit there, bud. Yeah, and speaking of showing and telling, I think another reason this chapter didn't quite land for me is it's another chapter of someone explains everything to Serene for her instead of her really doing much on her own, which has been a lot of her chapters so far. And yeah, that's also like a little, a little bit of a bummer. I really liked the last Serene chapter where she finally said, hey, I have a plan. I'm going to tell you what the plan is. I'm going to convince you to do the plan. And now we have... Uh, very similar to when she's in the court and Lukell's telling her everything. Now we have Shuden walking around being like, well, and here are the two separate ballrooms. Sometimes people come in here. I'm not allowed in here for too long, but here's where all these people are. And here's why that person's talking to that person. Um, and by the end of the chapter, Serene's like, all right, I have learned things because people told them to me. So with all that um, great mood about this chapter, let's uh, let's <laughs> go to this party. Let's keep jumping into it. We're having a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, this is a, a podcast entirely dedicated to reading Brandon Sanderson's books, but that doesn't mean that we need to be 100% down with everything. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it's a mark of, of really enjoying and engaging with material when you are willing to criticize it. Mm -hmm. So there. <laughs> so there. I... I, I'm really happy to hear you say that because up until now, I've I've always been very hesitant to voice whenever I don't like a specific character, even if their attitude and general demeanor really makes me annoyed with them. I've I've always been very shy about voicing that. So thank you for giving me permission. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Just an insert clip of Caleb calling Ellen a sock puppet with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, what was the the point where we realized that um, for for Sam and Caleb, Ellen was dumbass derogatory, and for Beth and I, he was dumbass affectionate. Affectionate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see how this uh, how this party goes, and by extension, the the rest of our our section here. Uh, so before Shuden made his. Uh, his very portentous comment that may or may not actually have landed with us. He was remarking on how, how much he's going to enjoy having Serene with him at the party this evening, uh, given, as he later explains, he is apparently uh, quite the, the eligible hand in marriage right now. And apparently normally spends a good bit of these parties trying to avoid women trying to chat him up and and hope that they can start a relationship there and so he is is relieved and and thinks that maybe with attending with serene he will actually get a, a bit of of calm and a bit of time to enjoy the party for himself this this was also a weird thing for this chapter because the embroidery club even though it was a little bit boring at the very least there was like the the little bit of feminism tm of them all like oh maybe we can learn how to fence and no one will think the wiser because we're simply women and they're like chuckling to themselves knowing that like hey we have a little bit more power than people think and we're a little bit smarter and cleverer than people think and then shuden says finding a woman in this court whose twittering foolishness doesn't cause my stomach to turn is another thing entirely it's like 
All right. Okay. That's that is a wide and very specific brush you are painting everyone at this party with. Very cool. Yep. Okay. I'm getting up on my soapbox. I'm talking about how women are written in this book. Go <laughs> for just it. Done with <laughs> ranting about the stakes of the book, and here we go. We're ranting again. Um. Yeah. Just kind of expounding on things that I've mentioned briefly before about how Serene is a very strong example of the she's not like other girls trope, which I just detest. Because if you if you follow the logic of that trope, it is you are not like the other girls and that is a good thing. So there must be something wrong with all of the other girls. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's like Serene is smart and and politically clever and and like forceful slash stubborn slash whatever you want to call it unlike all the other girls it just it really primes you if you are a girl reading this and serene is your only point of view character sometimes that feels like that's the only person you can relate to you start to internalize that shit and start to go you're right all the other girls suck and then bada bing bada boom internalized misogyny it's not good and like specifically earlier in this very chapter there's they're talking about deora who's keen's wife it's like she's she's didn't walk she glided her every action was smooth and graceful she's the ideal of feminine beauty it's the kind of woman serene would normally hate because if you're not like the other girls you have to hate all the other girls and it's just so exhausting when that is your only option like this is a this is a proven thing that having one like memorable tm female character can actually lead to a decrease in number of women in film because it's like well you've got katniss so you don't need any other women in the hug excuse me in the hunger games and it's it, like this is not sorry <laughs> needed to breathe <sighs> uh like elantris is not the worst offender of this not by far and it like makes it clear that the women of arlon are living they live in a society man and like they, they brandon does a pretty good job of making it clear that they are disadvantaged by the society that they live in but then you do get comments like this of every other woman's twittering foolishness makes my stomach turn it just it's it's it just gets tiring when you get page after page slash book after book of this. So I am glad that Brandon went on to focus on making Vin a better character in Mistborn and then also realized, oh wait, there should be more women <laughs> later. I'm I'm glad that there's been a, a improved arc from here because this can get tiring. I'm off my soapbox now. We can continue with the book. <laughs> No, I I think that was uh that was worth going over. I I <laughs> I certainly don't have the the you know direct connection to to that, but it also like it it stuck out to me, and I think it's something that that gets better as as Brandon's career goes on, and I'm very glad of that. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that that was just very well said, and I don't have a lot to add to it. But I, uh, I, I agree. I don't know. Sometimes you have like a concurring opinion that you want to file separately. And in this case, I'm like, no, I'll co-sign that one. I don't have anything else to add. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that our, our podcast was quite as, uh, as regimented in our, 
uh, our opinions as that. It's not the podcast. It's just me. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I mean, there was one time, uh, I think this was, yeah, this was when I was, um, when I interned before I started my current job. Uh, We had a group chat for all the interns. And one day we decided that that group chat should be conducted according to Robert's rules of order for no good reason (laughs) at all. I think that lasted about (laughs) half a day before we gave up. It sounds like you had too much free time. <laughs> I, I just I want to file a like a, a an Alito or a Thomas concurring opinion and just you know your your thing about like all your backed up facts and this very specific point and then I'll just file a concurring opinion that says yeah and we should take over the government too F- fuck all men <laughs> and it's like that was not my point at all what are you talking about yeah. Sam how is that a concurring opinion. <laughs> Big ups to our Supreme Court. B- oh big ups to our Supreme Court? <laughs> big downs. <laughs> the largest downs. Uh, big ups to RV boy. Oh. <laughs> RV fishing vacation boy. Anyway. Yeah. Unlike, unlike Shudin, who's a good and decent man, and even though he says he insults women, he's even pleasant to them who talk to him. And we, we've done better segues, but I'll take that one. And his <laughs> exotic origin allows him to say things that he can get away with. Speaking yeah. of things that did not really land well with me when I read them. Yeah, clunky. <laughs> not like problematic TM, but clunky. <laughs> so yeah, what uh, what else happens at this party? Can I, can I give a shout out to the one line that I actually really loved in this chapter? Do tell. Uh, describing Hraithan as a red scar in the room was a very cool image. Mm. I thought that was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm. Yeah, we start to get into the uh, the kind of um, political logistics of the party itself. Uh, apparently, uh, Iodon, as uh, as the king, uh, is is of course here, and there's a there's a bit of of political gamesmanship here where Telri is the one hosting the, the party itself, but Iodon, as the king, goes off to a, a separate room. And if you're really important, then that's where you'll be instead of at the main party if you're only kind of important. And so there's this whole kind of back and forth of who's going to be where and how fancy does the party get and all that. Uh, that We saw some of that from, from Vin's point of view in... Uh, final empire of all the noble houses kind of trying to to outdo each other uh, but it's a it's a little kind of closer here of we get to see there's only a few people who are kind of very directly competing with each other here i also love the detail of harithan it's 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 specifically noted harithan is at the ball because at the very first ball when he was in town he just showed up and everyone just decided to invite him since so Apparently, he just, with his own confidence, decided to walk in. And then just the added unspoken detail of, and he's also in the VIP room, which he presumably also got into because he just decided he was important mm-hmm. enough and walked right in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sam's judgment of the, the VIP room uh, is that Iodon is in a separate room because he is a shithead. Uh, and people who throw these balls accept that he is a shithead and give him his own room. Yep. <laughs> The they they just want him out of the way. <laughs> Quarantine him in there. Let him feel important. 
my god. Imagine how annoying that would be if you were, like, hosting a party, though. Yeah. Like, like all right, yeah. I'm just gonna... I'm gonna put this this own little room that I'm not allowed into because I'm not important enough. <laughs> I guess Tellery is Duke and everything, but like you know, just <laughs> I'm 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 hosting this wonderful party with all my friends, but but Jason gets his own room and I'm not allowed in there. <laughs> yeah. In my own fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> so and then we do have uh, we have Hraithen here. Um, we pointed out the uh, the red scar in the midst of the the ball is uh, quite the image, and uh, he's he's standing out in a number of ways. One of which being that he is still wearing full plate armor in this party, which, like, it's weird, but it also is just a cool image. It's it is incredible because in D anD D, most of the time it's assumed if you're adventuring you have your armor on. But every once in a while, you'll be in a scenario where the DM has to ask, "Okay, would your character actually have their armor on in this scenario?" And as a player, you want to say yes because that gives you the AC boost. But you right. might have to like true to character say, "No, I guess I wouldn't have it here." And Hraithen's player is just like, "Yes, I have yes. the armor on at all times. Yes. I am ready for anything. <laughs> I love that." Yes. So and then we uh, we have a, a moment to talk uh, world history and politics of religion, because uh, because we are here with uh, with with Shuden, who has kind of a, a an additional outside point of view, uh, where in uh, in in his mind where where he's from. Uh, you know, he he says that that Kesseg's teachings were kind of the the origin of all of it, uh, and and it's it's interesting to see what you know, all of you in the rest of the world have done with it, uh, which Serene says, "Hang on, I'm I'm, you know, I'm not uh, associated with him." What do you mean, you people? Says Serene. <laughs> it's very Abrahamic here. Um, it is in a very... way real parallels or or uh like sunni shia split actually mm. um which i do not know enough about to get into um but i will just say like hey everybody jesus is the most quoted prophet in the quran so take that stick that in your pipe and smoke it <clears throat> so there you go they're all the same religion they're just like sequels it's like saying you don't believe in the the, the fucking third trilogy of star wars I mean, it happened. There, there are you a lot of people, people who say who that. Say, yeah. <laughs> but it happened. It's it's written. But yeah, no, it is. It, it's a bit tricky to to keep track of. I think with the the vocabulary chosen, uh, but it is like you said, Sam. It is interesting and realistic that these are from the very zoomed out view that we have. These are very minor differences that have created these very passionate and apparently sometimes violent conflicts between the, the people who believe in them. I do think that um, Shudin has a, an interesting comment here uh, as the, the two of them are observing Hraithen and, and talking about what he's doing here uh, in that Shudin says that Hraithen is is dangerous because he is is preaching from his mind in that he is he's very kind of calculating 
and 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 doing things with a very specific purpose, which is something that we've seen from Hraithan's point of view uh, in a number of ways. Obviously, in in contrast with with Diloph, which is is the point of seeing the two of them, uh, but Hraithan sees his his preaching uh, as it's a holy duty, but it's also kind of a job in that it you know it is a thing that he needs to do and is just going to work on, and Shudan sees that as as being quite dangerous. And I see that as an extremely interesting character trait, which is why I love Raven's chapter so much. Yeah. It was also really interesting following that up immediately. Shudan goes, and that guy next to Raven, I also don't trust him. And the reader is like primed to be like, oh, great, another person talking about how insane Diloph is. And it's like, oh, no, it's Warren. It's that random guy from three chapters ago. Yeah. <laughs> But Warren is kind of notable in this regard in that he is the first public um, kind of devoted associate now of Hraithan, uh, which which means that things are changing in a certain direction. Uh, Warren has apparently... Uh, he he probably wouldn't qualify to get into the uh, the extra special Iodon party, uh, but because Freithan has just invited himself in, Warren has has taken the chance to to ride on along with. And at this point now, uh, Serene realizes that she has been neglecting the the kind of real political center here uh, of everything that that happens at these parties, and and needs to uh, needs to try to catch up in in like we mentioned in this this competition that she has which is a, a weird way to to frame it and then we have a really weird part that i didn't like uh when we go <laughs> talk to Royal, uh who as as shudan says is uh the the only one in erlon uh who is more sought after in marriage than he is uh because he's rich and old and whoever marries him he's going to die and they're going to get all his money uh, and then there's a really weird bit about how he's like, yeah, but they are going to marry me. And there's a, an implication there. And it, it's just weird. It's not an implication. It's the direct statement of I'm going to make them fucking yes. bang me. Yes. yes. Jesus, <laughs> Same. Yeah, that's, that's super that's... gross. We we have a, a note from uh, from Caleb's notes, which says, hey, Royal, that's gross. Yeah. Didn't love that. <laughs> didn't Didn't like reading that either. And then Serene's like, oh, you. Yeah, that's the other weird yeah. part. Yeah, but he thinks the lady doth protest too much. Maybe Royale's gay. Oh, the twists. I don't fucking know. This is just weird and gross. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I think Brandon was like aiming for like, oh, look at this fun repartee. And Serene's one of the guys and uh, missed. <laughs> he missed. <laughs> And where do we go from here? <laughs> Luckily, Eshin fills the silence. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. She she does have a talent for that. I wonder if she's doing it on purpose. <laughs> it wouldn't be the only one with that ploy, because Serene pulls the I'm just a dumb woman on the verge of hysterics bit again. She but does, this time it yeah. backfires, which I actually love. <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you, Finally. Brandon, for realizing that when you do that, you lose the war. 
and and uh, I, yay i'm glad i'm vindicated here because they point <laughs> out like once you do that strategy you're locked into it mm -hmm. you're not going to convince people that you suddenly stopped being a bimbo out of nowhere <laughs> like goddamn i don't know yeah uh as uh th there's a, a brief part where we have a uh a, a callback to the the discussion of of the fencing training and serene does try to uh to employ her her strategy particularly with iodon of of playing dumb and then uh Krathen gets in there with you know the the king if he's discussing important matters he probably shouldn't uh be doing so in the the presence of people who are you know, dull-minded about it and and yeah this is a that's a, a a pretty big rebuke of serene's kind of default plan there and i i agree that it is it is good to see that backfire so yeah from here the uh the party does start to to wrap up we do have a, a note that Royal and Serene have started to clue in on the fact that Duke Telry has some sort of connection to Hraithen. So we'll see if, uh, if, if that starts to develop uh, with the other, the other plot lines as well. But from, uh, from there, the, the chapter pretty much wraps up. Uh, Serene apparently does kind of a, a whirlwind tour of everybody there and is trying to just like work the room, talk with everybody, get her herself known, get into these conversations for the future. And it is uh, it is quite a late night and, and quite tiring for for Shudan. And uh, one one last bit at the end, as we do see where these chapters are overlapping is the the news gets out that someone broke into the palace tonight wonder what happened there yeah this was a point where it was a fun thing but i was hoping that like it would lead to serene pondering something or deciding that like it would impact her in some way but she hears the news and then goes oh well i gotta get to bed anyways it's like it just has no impact on her whatsoever yeah it's almost just like <laughs> brandon trying to show here is where the timelines line up now we're done let's go to the next chapter yeah which spoilers is in contrast to hraithen like intersecting with uh Rayodin's whole deal because he does hear about Rayodin's thing and go oh i can do something about that mm -hmm. so yeah we uh we close out serene's chapter here and one more for the section once again, the shortest, our Kraithen chapters have been on the shorter side lately. We'll see uh, how that continues, but that is where we are heading into chapter 15. So yeah, our, our Kraithen chapter here, chapter 15, is uh, again quite a contrast from Serene's. Although I guess not as much at the end, like Serene's uh, political work at the party uh, is not as harsh of a contrast as going from Karata and the Elantrian children to the embroidery circle. Uh, because we now have Kraithen, uh at night on the walls of Elantris again. Is this the first striking visual of the book? Just singing some Aerosmith to himself. He is doing that. <laughs> but seriously, is this like, like, this is, 
the first time when some really amazing scenery is happening. Whereas every, like, I, I don't know what to picture for most of these things, because Brandon doesn't elaborate much. We've had a couple of, of um, times where we've touched on the, like, the former glory of Elantris when we're looking at, like, the 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 old palace or things like that but nothing where we've like dwelt on a single visual moment like this i don't think right yeah i think we've got some like certainly evocative imagery of decaying falling apart elantris but i don't this feels like a, a set piece which is new it's epic epic imagery so horathan tells elantrians to dream until their dreams come true was fairly impressive. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not really sure how I made that noise. <laughs> but yeah, as he is uh, musing to himself, a guard walks past and is like, what did you say? Which <laughs> amuses me. And I do like that. Her heaven's straight up like, no, I was whispering to myself. <laughs> and the guard's yeah. like, yep, okay, carry okay. on. <laughs> Sounds like a priestly thing to do. That wasn't even the question. It was, did you say something? The answer is blatantly yes. It's just, yes. I wasn't speaking to you. But instead he goes, no. I think to some extent, if you are walking the wall tops of Elantris in the middle of the night, like as long as you're op not obviously up to no good, you probably are just like, you need some, some space to think. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the guard like, didn't really give a shit that he was up there. Right. <laughs> like, I guess there's nothing illegal about it, uh, uh, presumably. And also, Hraithan does have a some, like, not explicitly diplomatic immunity, but there is some element of his position holds some power, and unless you're very sure that something wrong is going on, you're not going to say anything about it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he acts like he has diplomatic immunity, and that's carried him a long way. Yeah, true. And he also has established himself as walking into places and assuming he can be there and no one stops him. And he's also given at least one and possibly multiple speeches up here already. Well, they might recognize him. Might know who he is. Hey, you're that weirdo. That's me. <laughs> um... Yeah, and Brandon continues to uh, dunk on their choice of weaponry. <laughs> his heavy spear resting over his shoulder. <laughs> spear too heavy to, to throw or fight with. It's not a good wall top weapon. I can't wait to see it in action. I just <laughs> want to see like a guard get like completely dunked on trying to fight with his little spear at the top of the wall. Or I guess his enormous spear. Yeah, if you're, if you're a wall-top guard, wouldn't it be, like, bows and crossbows? Yeah, I don't know if a spear's going to be that helpful up there. I know spears are generally throwable, but still, you'd think it would be more efficient to focus on the bows. <laughs> I think it was... Was it Serene who noticed that, like, they didn't have bows and that the spears are too heavy to throw? I think so. I think that was during her... Um during the hey kids go show serene around part uh, of course hey kids go show serene hell <laughs> you got it mom and dad 
we're not really talking a lot about this chapter, uh, <laughs> but that's probably because the entire like first three pages are literally just Kraithen thinking to himself about uh, Elantris and his faith and what he has to do here and, and how all this is intersecting. We have mentioned already how, how cool Hraithen's, like viewpoint is, and we get a little bit more elaboration here, and I love the idea of he does feel guilty about what happened in Duladel, but he also believes that that guilt is a purposeful burden that's been given to him by Jadeth, and is like, it's worth me feeling guilty if it means so many souls got saved. Like, the idea of... I, my conscience feels guilty, but my brain is like, that's fine. It's okay to feel guilty. You still didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Is It's just a wacky thing to think, and I love it. It's so interesting. Yeah, it, it like he practically sees himself as a martyr of like, I will bear these scars for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is something that is is worth coming back to these Kraithen chapters for. Uh, but going on from here, uh, we at least get to confirm, uh, although we, we'd seen earlier with his, uh, his meeting uh, a couple of chapters ago, but we do get to confirm now that there is a more direct association between Telri and Hraithen, uh, because they are up here for a, uh, a bit of a secret meeting on top of the walls where the guards are. But the guards are nice enough to give him some space. Uh-oh. Uh... <laughs> All right. It's not a bad choice. Actually, as soon as I... Okay, for for, for reference, because now it's a bit... Um, when we mentioned someone committing... Someone enabling atrocities and then thinking of himself as a martyr, I posted in our Discord a picture of uh, Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer and said, new Wraith in casting. And Sam, you're not wrong. Now that I think about it, it's like, he would probably be pretty good as Wraith and... I don't, it's not an official change in casting, but it's something. Okay. But yeah, we are, we're here for a, uh, a secret meeting. I like the, uh, the, the beginning of this meeting where Telri is saying, well, don't you want to know why I, I called this, this secret meeting with you? And Hraithan just says, you're doubting our plan. That's why we're meeting. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't doubting our plan, why would we be meeting? <laughs> I'm your boss. I call the meetings. <laughs> you are my odiv. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how it uh, how he thinks of it. But yeah, uh, Telri, who previously was uh, was definitely in on the plan of if I'm one of the ones who who publicly converts first, then I will be handsomely monetarily rewarded. He was he was definitely in on that, uh, but he has now learned some of the the history that we've learned and uh, some of the things that happened in Duladel and is a little bit worried about you know w- what good is the money going to be if there's a giant war and a ton of us die <laughs> and uh it it's an interesting uh way to take this response but Hraithan starts to go into some of the things that we've been talking about of no, there, there is really nobody in this country who could withstand like an actual attack. And so uh, 
and and Hraithan says, you know, we have uh, we have the the people of the the Fjordal Empire, which includes all of these countries that are under <laughs> Fjordal rule. And so he says, you know, if if bloodshed was the goal, then that would just happen. Warren would just invade Aralon and be done with it. But that's not what happened. It, what happened was we have a, a single Darthy priest. Because they haven't bothered to spare the effort. Yeah, <laughs> which was, was weird. <laughs> There's also a, uh, a an intriguing note that is just going to get mostly breezed over uh, about how if if conquest was the goal, Wern wouldn't use the army. Uh, he'd use some of the uh, the Darthy priesthood. Uh, but there's a very conspicuous dot, dot, dot other arts that we're not going to get into yet. <laughs> Which come after war and assassination. Yeah, what's <laughs> what follows that? That's concerning. <laughs> and we get another dot, dot, dot in two sentences as Hrathen shivered at the thought of the monks. Monks. <laughs> trained inside Dakor Monastery. Yeah, I thought that was super, like, are they not monks? Like what? I my interpretation is that they're secret ninjas, but it was weird that it was that apparently Rathen barely thinks of them as monks at all. You know what I think? I think it is is it's one of those fantasy book uh, and fantasy game things where to to the general public the word monk has a very dim- different implication than someone who say plays a lot of D D. Yeah. <laughs> Where five levels in your monk can punch ghosts. Yeah, they're not Victorian monks, they are D D monks. And that instantly is like, <laughs> oh now I know why they're threatening. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, this this is the the gist of of Hraithen's argument of uh if you're worried about bloodshed, the fact that it hasn't already happened is your assurance that we don't want it to. And so we can continue with our plan. And we do have, uh, this was something that was, uh, this was a, a uh, prediction that Sam made of the, the implied promise at the end of our last chapter uh, was Hraithen has in fact promised uh, the throne to Duke Telry after whatever conversion and conquest does happen. <laughs> he will have the throne there's a uh, another uh, um, reflection on how Serene's plan is currently going where uh, Telri is, is saying well you will face opposition and Hraithen wants to know who he's referring to uh, and Telri calls out Serene and says that uh, she she's definitely involved in this uh, and Hraithen is somewhat impressed that that Telri has been paying that much attention but yeah for the most part this uh this meeting can be wrapping up Telri has been uh, assuaged of his concerns about conquest and also has been reassured that uh, the throne is promised to him uh, one more thing before they split up this meeting is that uh, Hraithen wants to kind of sow some seeds here 
and uh, encourages Tilry to uh, significantly increase his the pay for his group of guards, uh, which will uh, hopefully kind of uh, work its way out to the the Elantrian city guard uh, and try to to get some of the more capable warriors on on the other side of of that line there and of course ever the businessman uh Tullery says well you'll pay for the the pay increases then right and Crayson <laughs> says yes fine sure yeah whatever nerd <laughs> but yeah then as we as we wrap up here we have another another intersection point of our plot lines where uh we have we just miss uh, Rayodin and Karata going back into the city. And like we mentioned, unlike the past chapters where it was just linking up the timelines, uh, we do actually have a, a bit of a move here that, that Hraithen makes. Uh, and he goes to, uh, to talk with the, the guard captain and proposes a, a different option if they find Elantrians outside the city again. Uh, which is that Hraithen wants to study one of them for theological reasons and uh, makes a payment and says maybe that could be arranged and the guard captain agrees. Interesting. Interesting. And that is where we conclude our chapters. Gone through each of our, our three POVs and we'll be ready to cycle back to Rayodin in our next section. All right. Uh, the cast of characters continues to grow, though not <laughs> as bad as the, the last section, at least. That's not saying not much. Not as bad but... as three characters at once all developing their own gang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll just put in my snip, and then we'll keep going. <laughs> all right. Sam has uh, <laughs> Sam has temporarily tapped out on on casting. No, you're just boycotting it by this point. <laughs> we got we got all the way up to twenty four characters. That's the highest number. I'm that not. Is... I don't. I don't know twenty four people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Do you think anyone's figured out that that's? No, surely not. Everybody knows twenty four is the highest number. Exactly. Yeah, there's no higher numbers. There's no higher numbers. Man, I went to a Cubs game the other day, and the attendance was 24 people. It's crazy. Damn. It's packed. It's a good game. Yeah. It was a good game. <laughs> it was. It was rainy as hell. Oh, it, my God. It was that oh, too. No. Oh, my God. And uh, uh, I got I got blazed by a fucking Cubs uh, uh, customer service person who said that she... Her whole crew was laughing at me because I got lost in the tunnels. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. They, they're not like Comerica Park. They are clearly labeled. You can walk down this one. You cannot walk down this one. Wrigley Field is an old park and there's just a bunch of fucking tunnels. And it's like I, I was walking down one and you can't see the end of it because it goes down and then back up. And there were like lockers and an open office door, and someone looked at me all surprised, and I was like, am I supposed to, I don't, where am I? I don't know. <laughs> I just turned around and left. Funny thing is, if I'm remembering that spot correctly, I'm pretty sure that was the right way to go. It just doesn't look like it. 
It doesn't look at all like it. Like floor markings or something. This way to concourse. I don't know. So my casting is Wrigley Field as Elandris. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> and the the pitcher's mound is the well, the dot right in the middle of all of it. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, I guess I can get into my casting. <laughs> go, Caleb. I support you. Luckily, I've forgotten much of my cast, and thus I have more people to fill up before I get to 24. Um, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list all the, the, the not very fun ones, and then we'll, we'll get to the one everyone's been waiting for. Um, as Kahar, I have Julian Glover, who has been all over the place. He's been in Game of Thrones, been in Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and, and he's, he's everywhere, man. He's most recently in Tar as as an old guy, so we can play an old guy here. He's great. I love him. Um, then we're going to move forward to the Embroidery Club. I have Sion or Sean Brooke as Atara. Um, she is probably best known as Sherlock's secret third sister in uh, Sherlock. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> And she seemed like she was given a crappy script and tried her best. So let's let's throw her in here and see if she can have some fun. Um, I have Pam Ferris as Sia Den. Uh, I most famous to me as Aunt Marge from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and then as Tarina, I have Emma Myers, who was in Wednesday, a show I have not seen. But her vibes seem right for a girl who seems excited to learn sword fighting. So I have that. <laughs> um, the exciting casting that I actually think I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with this. Um, as Karada, you know where you love her. I have Michelle Rodriguez as Karada. Um, yeah, I do know her and love her. I'll I feel like she'd be a lot of fun in this role. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got for casting. But uh, yeah. Apparently there's a Lauren we got to cast at some point, maybe, but we didn't see his face this chapter, so I did not cast Lauren. <laughs> Just cast a blurry man through the window. <laughs> Does this imply that Karada's going to die? <laughs> yes, but only off screen. <laughs> Raiden gets a phone call that says Karada's been murdered. <laughs> but she will come back in the sequel to Elantra's coming soon, somehow. As will, I guess, yes. all characters that die in Elantris. No one's ever really dead in, in <laughs> we're making fast and furious jokes in case you're in, in case you're lost dear Quality listeners. Cinema. It's about the family. It's all about the family. All right. Uh what we do have though is uh a a look forward, uh, a look at we had uh, we had a kind of notable plot payoff in Raiden's chapter and a little bit looking into the future. Uh, and then Serene and Hraithen were definitely more building towards things to come. So we will see what we have predicted for the future. Sam, do you want to start us off there? <sighs> Kinda. <laughs> I didn't do a great job predicting here, I'll be honest. I was mostly just tr trudging through it. Um, I still hold pat on my predictions and not wiggling on the whole, um, let's see, Hraithen... Uh, Rodin did use the will to escape. Diloph is going to turn against Trayton. Um And I think Iodon somehow made Rodin get shouted. These are all things I've already said before. 
uh, I'm sticking with them, so I'm not changing my mind on anything. Um, I will say that I think that Praethon's going to meet an Elantrian, and I sure think it's probably going to be Raiden. Um, I don't... I think Raiden's going to sneak out again. I don't know if Karata's going to join him. I think it'll just be him snooping out. Uh, and then he'll do his whole, hey, um, I'll tell the escape trick. And, you know, the guard will be like, yeah, well, I'm not going to let you in because I got a friend who wants to meet you. He'll be Spooky Red Armor Man. So that'll happen. I don't know what else. Uh, Iodon's still a fuckboy, uh, but like a fuck man. Like the, the bat, <laughs> the older kind. Even worse, the evolution. The evolution. <laughs> the higher kind. Um, oh, uh, yes. Uh, and Serene's fencing classes for the ladies is going to pay off. I think it would be dumb, but possible that there will be some sort of like end game esque scene where they fight the uh, inevitable Fjordel people who are coming to ravage their land, but I kind of doubt that'll actually happen. Every single woman in K is in the same room at the same time, and they all sword fight all at once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they surround Serene and say, don't worry, she's not alone. <laughs> so... That's uh, it's it for me. It's a short one for me. You know, short chapters. Well, long chapter, one of them. But uh, short in number. Yes, small <laughs> number. Okay. Uh, Caleb, what does your uh, slate of predictions look like for this week? Yeah, I also don't have a ton, actually, um, which is oh. surprising just given my general demeanor whenever it gets to this section. I'll probably find a way to stretch it out into 15 minutes, but we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, this one didn't have anything to do with this particular chapter, but I have a new, more specific Wraithen prediction, because I think Sam and I are both like, well, Diloff is definitely going to turn on him and, and cause troubles. Mm -hmm. But I think I figured out, like the trigger for what will cause that to happen because Raithen seems to be keeping deal off in line of being like, Hey, this is the specific chain of command of this religion. You have to stay and buy that. You're my OD. You serve directly under me and you don't go above your pay grade at all. And then Raithen turned around and chatted directly with Wern, who's like the Pope. He's the highest on the scale. And I know Gjorns are pretty dang high ranking, but I still, and I don't know if Wern is meant to be, like, the next direct step up. I feel like there might still be a couple of ranks he's skipping over, which I think is extra possible because he's, like, was trying to keep it so hidden. Um, which he might also just be keeping it hidden because he doesn't want people to know that he's using Seons. But regardless, um, I think Diloph is going to find out, wait, you've been talking directly to Wern, and Raithen's like, well, yes, in the greater service of Jedeth, sometimes you can kind of go, you can skip past some ranks, and the Diloph will go, okay, well, I'm directly serving Jadeth, which means I don't have to listen to you at all. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm directly serving Jadeth. And that's going to be like the theological reason why Diloph decides, oh, I can betray Hraithen and screw him over. Okay. Um, so just a little bit more specifics to that theory. Um I don't have anything for Serene this chapter. Actually, I kind of do. I have a Serene-related thing, um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, 
I think it's slightly too soon to start having the protagonists meet each other. But also, this book will just, as is evidenced by how quickly they escaped Elantris, sometimes things will just happen in the span of two pages and the plot will move forward very quickly. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like it's, I don't think Raithan's going to capture Raiden. Raiden's not going to get captured and given to Raithan anyways. I don't think Raithan is going to do the hands-on no matter what. I think Karata is going to get captured. Maybe because she's, now that she's seen her husband, she's like, okay, well now I want to go back and see if I can reconnect with him in some way. So she tries to sneak out again. She gets captured. And then Galadon's going to be like, oh no, well, it's too bad she's gone forever. And Rayodon's going to be like, but Galadon, we have to conduct this master escape plan to break her out because that's who we are. That's what we are deep down. We're trying to build a society. Um, so we need to go ca uh, rescue Karata. And then that's going to lead to a rescue mission. And that might lead to Rayodin Raithen meeting probably briefly. But I think that's how that's going to go down. Um, Karata's the one that gets captured and Rayodin rescues her. Um, and then my last one, I am putting like two chips on this theory currently because I reread the section that is relevant and it's a little bit unclear. But I said this last episode, I wouldn't think anything's happening weird with Keen except for the fact that Serene continues to be like, hmm, I'm curious about this thing about Keen. This doesn't see, this seems strange. And most recently it's, hey, did he ever get officially disinherited? Which is such a, it feels so random. I have no idea where that's going, but clearly something's going on. There's gotta be some kind of payoff with Keen. I have no idea what. Um, my guess that I'm putting a couple of chips on because I think it would be interesting is that the Keen we have met so far is not actually Keen. It is not the uncle that Serene grew up with and knew, um, which like 60% checks out when we first meet Keen because Ash goes, I don't recognize that guy. Serene goes, I don't recognize that guy. I don't recognize his voice. I don't recognize what he looks like. And it takes like a full page before she goes, okay, his eyes are the same, even though every other single thing about him is wrong. Um, so maybe this Keen is an imposter of some kind. She mentions the eyes, so maybe it's like a, you know, again, more misborn DNA. Maybe it's a Zane situation. Maybe there's it's a, a secret half-brother happening. Or he's a Chandra. He could be a Chandra. <laughs> but um, I'm thinking maybe he's some other relative that has taken Keen's place. Um, again, I don't have a ton of chips on that theory currently, but now it's on my radar, and I'm going to be, like, looking out for if that might possibly be true. Because something's happening with Keen, and I have no idea what it could be, and it might be a little bit interesting if that's what it is, even though there's not a ton of evidence for that currently. Um, so, yeah, maybe Keen's not Keen, and that's what I've got. Okay. Yeah, with uh, with only the one chapter for each of our characters, I can see uh, kind of a, a an intermediate point in our prediction. Uh, listing but i did go through and actually go in and mark off what we have seen already uh which there's a, a decent few hits um both uh actually way back in uh in episode one uh sam you said that of the the three warlords karata would is the one who would become an ally so that seems to be a check mark uh -huh. there uh, both yeah, of you definitely <laughs> uh, clued in on on the well, uh, and then we have uh, 
Craythan promising Telri the throne, like I mentioned. And uh, I, I will give at least some number of podcast points for connecting the kids in Elantris to Karata, because that part definitely was correct. <laughs> I, I feel like any points I earned from that need to be immediately taken away, though, because of how wrong I was about what the actual situation was. The intention behind it. Well, you know, it's not a perfect system. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that means from there we can head onwards to further chapters. Uh, for, for one more episode, uh, we are only going to do three chapters again. That is 16, 17, and 18. We're going to go through the rotation one more time. Uh, and from there, things will, will pick up the pace in, in terms of, of chapter count. But yeah, 16, 17, and 18 for next episode. We'll get one more new symbol for our chapter headers. Uh, and we'll see where things go from here. As we work through our episodes, you can find all of them, uh, both past, present, and eventually future, at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can't find the future ones yet, and if you can, then just send them to me and I won't have to edit them. Or we won't have to record them. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, only send them if they're good, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's fair. if I make another embarrassing Karata guess, like, it's just leave that one out. Just, I'll try yeah. to do a redo on the present. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you do somehow find time-traveling episodes, the way that you can send them to us is by email at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can also... I just realized, Justin, they can't do that because you can't send things back in time. You can only go forward. Mm, Sorry. That's true. Yeah. Damn it. So maybe I need to, like, reply to them preemptively? Hmm. I'll I'll try to figure it out. (laughs) Just start replying to your fans randomly. (laughs) Genius. Just get in the email and be like, Adam, I know you have our future episodes. <laughs> Give them back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you have slightly more sensible things that you want to email us about, you can do that too. Uh, that <laughs> that one is uh, something that Beth and I take our first look at. So if there are things that discuss things that we haven't read yet or things in other Cosmere books, that's the the place to get in contact with us there. Other than that, we also have our various social media accounts. We have our Twitter at always another pod, our Instagram at always another pod, uh, as well as Mastodon, uh, always another pod at kind.social. So all of those have uh, various further creative works as we as we record and post these episodes. I'm always a fan of the uh podcast spoilers without context because then i have to remember even though i (laughs) usually just edited the episode i have to remember what they actually relate to a lot some of them take a second it's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun being like oh yeah that means that that's that's a reference to that oh yeah and because that's me who does it it's really just things that tickle me (laughs) like I think it was two or three episodes ago i just put a picture of a window because sam made a joke about thinking serene was a window instead of a widow and it really got to me evidence <laughs> by this um so just it's basically <laughs> just whatever my brain latches onto that week <laughs> pretty much 
so yeah, that's what uh, that's what you can you can have in store if you give us a follow there. Uh, it's it's fun. I recommend it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, next episode, maybe next couple of episodes, we'll see. Will be the uh, the rare two hosts recording in the same room episodes, as uh, Beth and I are heading out on a, a trip. But uh, yeah, we will will be back with more elantris and uh it's it's weird we're the the pacing of this book is is uh strange when we break it into episodes uh we're going into episode five and it feels like you know things are going to start to to tip pretty soon and i'm uh, i'm looking forward to it i was gonna say justin i think even though this raven chapter is pretty good i think you missed one of your rare chances at the sign off last episode to say yeah, I'm not really looking forward to this. <laughs> you know, you, you're right. I, I, I should just say that every time, just to cover my bases. <laughs> I think that might just be the end. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's that. Wanna da 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 da.